You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Happy Friday. Welcome inside the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. It's Logan Gordon and Peter Klein along with you. What up? You made it to the end of the week. Happy All-Star Weekend. Yes. To to those who celebrate. Yeah. Hockey or Pro Bowl. If you like seeing football players play dodgeball and hockey players Skate fast, then boy, do we have a weekend for you. Oh, boy. But unlike most All-Star Weekends, we actually have a ton of news. Yeah. Thanks to Gary Bettman and his State of the Union address at uh, All-Star Weekend in Toronto. We have another trade to tell you about involving a former Calgary Flame. Yeah, Flame Centers are uh, very in vogue right now. They are. Uh, And we also have... A former Pacific Division coach fired in Los Angeles. See ya. Hope you liked your break, Todd McClellan. Here's a longer one for you. <laughs> LA Kings dumped their head coach on Friday as well. We've got an absolute ton to get to. We will kick off the show in just moments by going through all the latest from NHL GM, NHL GM, NHL commissioner, Gary Bettman who uh, gave us a very good story about the future of international best-on-best hockey that we'll talk about in just moments. We'll break down that trade between the Winnipeg Jets and the Montreal Canadiens with Murat Atesh from The Athletic. Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet's going to join us. We'll get Sam's feel on a couple of new prospects in the Flames system. And now that the Flames own at least two first-round picks in this upcoming draft, We'll get Sam's feel on just what kind of quality the 2024 NHL draft might hold for the Calgary Flames. And we're debuting a new way to end off the week, PK. It's the Friday DMs. Oh, nice. Anything that you want to ask, it's the mailbag brought into the 21st century. You can send us a text at 960-960 in hour two. We will answer any of your questions on pretty much anything. Radio appropriate. And We're even then, die. well, yeah, we'll, we'll walk the line. It's the end of a Friday. <laughs> so you can start sending those in at 960-960. That's going to be an hour or two. We won't limit the mailbag to just Flames questions. If you want to talk Flames. You I'd be disappointed talk, if it was just Flames You want to talk Flames. You want to talk dating advice from Cam. Yep. Car advice from Peter. We'll dive <laughs> into all of it uh, in our new segment, the Friday DMs. That's coming up in hour two but reminder we're in the doug lacy's basement systems downtown studios for our friends at doug lacy's basement systems cracked foundation boeing foundation walls they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation contact basement systems they're all things basement visit dlbasementsystems.com uh pk remember when the all-star break was just boring mm-hmm. and all you had to talk about was the all-star game and complain about how terrible it is and how this guy didn't get in or 
how the jerseys were ugly and you didn't like them. Remember those days? Yeah, talk about snubs, talk about jerseys, talk about uh, how the format needs to change, how much we hate the skills competition, uh, and just talk about, remember when players gave a damn about this game? <laughs> well, now we have so much news to talk about. We have a ton to talk about. Gary Bettman addressed the media in Toronto and kicked it off with what we've been hoping for for a very long time. And he confirmed an agreement between the NHL, the NHLPA, the IIHF, and the IOC when it comes to NHL players participating in upcoming Olympic Games. We have an agreement uh, among us and with the International Olympic Committee for NHL players to participate in the 2026 and 2030 Olympics. Uh, we know how important international competition is to our players. We know how much they love and want to represent the countries from which they're from. And we think this is a great stage for best on best, the best on best, in what obviously we all believe is the best sport. Two things really quickly. Sure. Uh, one, I thought it was really rude of Bill Daly to be getting his head shaved right beside Gary Bettman yes, while he was talking really, there. Really insensitive. Um, two, it's 2024. Can we not figure out how to position microphones so we're not popping peas the entire time during these press conferences? Because it happens way too much. Uh, those are the joke ones aside, but this is a really exciting announcement, I think, for a lot of hockey fans that have been waiting for it for a long time. This is massive news. 2026 and 2020, uh, 2030. NHL players will participate in the Olympics. It's best on best hockey. Once again, uh, this has gone on for way too long. It has robbed us of many moments with McDavid and Crosby. Uh, go through the list of players that um, haven't been able to don the C for or to don the, the Canada logo PK uh, because we haven't had best on best. Yes, there's always world championships and there's an opportunity there, but. If your team goes to the playoffs uh, on a consistent basis, you're likely not available to those situations. And as you heard from Gary Bettman, this is something that the players have wanted mm -hmm. for a very long time. And on top of that, it's something the fans have wanted for a very long time that is finally coming back in two years' time. I mean, it's insane that we haven't got McDavid and Crosby in a best-on-best -best competition. Once. How, like, how is that possible? Yeah, it, 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 it's a failure of the league. And I, I think like you, you just look at it all over the place. We talked about it yesterday. The talent in this league is so high right now. And as this sport is growing into to new markets and things like that, these are the exact perfect scenarios and situations where you can help grow your sport. Canada-wise, I mean, I think we're probably good here, but it's still, it, it, it galvanizes people and gets everyone uh, behind each other. And you can get McDavid and Crosby and probably Bedard all on the same team. And that's going to be fun. But I think the biggest thing for me that this really helps is the growth of the game in the States. Because you look at what the United States could put together as a uh, a potential roster, and it is stupid how good that team is going to be. And the United States loves nothing more than being able to get on social media or wherever and chant USA, 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 while they're beating Canada's brains in in hockey. And I'm not saying that's how it's going to go, but it might. And I, I think that with, with this new kind of golden era for American hockey, 
that this is going to be a a really good chance to to help grow the game in the states when you have Matthews and Kachuk and and all of these guys. I guess Kachuk's um, lighting it up for for Team USA. So I, I think that this is while it's something that's really exciting for us as fans. I think that this is um, a, a real opportunity to for the NHL to to continue to to grow the game. And that's a good point, especially about the American side of things, where we might be walking into the golden age of USA hockey. And mm-hmm. with all due respect, you know, to previous Olympic tournaments where Team USA wanted to think of themselves as equal to the Canadian rosters, they they just weren't. Yeah, they tried their best, and they had good teams, but were they the gold standard of of Canadian best on best hockey? No. But now, and over the last couple of years, as you've mentioned, and you went through some of the names, PK, it's not so cut and dry on paper no. who the best team internationally is anymore. And the fact that we've only been able to do these on paper or in conversations like this on sports radio has been infuriating. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they finally came to a conclusion, which I think everybody at the table should have been able to say, we're all in a better position if NHLers are there. Yeah. The product is better from an Olympic standpoint. The marketing and the exposure is better for the NHL. The players want to be there. So from the PA perspective, check mark, check mark, check mark. Yeah. I just I never saw the negative to this. It was always the business that well, we can't show IOC highlights on our website. So why would we send our players? That's what's going to hold you back from right. promoting your game and and trying to to make this the spectacle that it has been before. It just it always seemed very nitpicky to me. Yeah, it did, and, and it just it seemed it, it seemed like you were getting hung up on something for all the wrong reasons and not looking at the the positives. Like that, there are a list of positives as long as my arm, but the the negatives there's like four of them. But they got so hung up on those. And the NHL loves nothing more than just like 100% winning something. And because there was just a little bit of give and take, they didn't like to, to give in. But th- this one, it makes all the sense in the world. And you're right, it makes sense for the, the IOC as well. Because like you, you look at how is every Winter Olympics finished? The main event of every Winter Olympics is the men's gold medal game, right? That that closes yep. the show every time. And there, there's a reason for that. It, it is one of the, the big events. Obviously, like there's other amazing stories that go on with the Olympics every year. But the, the, having these guys there now really does add something to these Olympic games coming up in, in 26 and, and down the line in 30 as well. And I'm even excited for the, the Four Nations thing coming up in, in 25. But I, I'm just I'm happy that we're getting this again. And it adds, like you said, another layer to the conversation. It adds another layer to the, the growth of the game. And now you can kind of see how things stack up. We've seen for a while at the U18 level, at the World Junior level, how all these other countries ha- have kind of come in and really, I don't want to say leveled the playing field, but certainly made things a whole lot more interesting for Canadian sides. Now we'll get to see it on the, the biggest stage, and I think that's a whole lot of fun. And if you're wondering what exactly the Four Nations tournament is that Peter just mentioned, it is also... One of the major announcements that we got from Commissioner Gary Bettman today that in lieu of an all-star game next season and to get back on track to what will be every two years, either a World Cup uh, hosted by the NHL or an Olympic cycle, starting next year, we will have a Four Nations Cup comprised of Canada, Finland, Sweden, and the USA that will take place next February. There will be no all-star break. 
these four teams will compete in a round-robin format. They'll all play each other once. The top two teams will then face off in a, a winner-take-all finale. Uh, and you must be under NHL contract for this, so they won't, uh, unlike the Olympics, where you can pick and choose sometimes the international team, you know, the Swedes, the Finlands um, can grab some of their players internationally and help bring them in. You have to be under an NHL contract for the four nations cup. um, But this is sort of their alternative to doing a big world cup next year, which didn't seem feasible in the short time. No. So we're going to get a smaller version of the world cup of hockey. They're calling it the four nations and I don't know, in, in lieu of the conversation we had on Thursday's show, PK, but the All-Star game and it kind of being still a meh event for a lot of us, I'd much rather have a Four Nations Cup and start to see some international best-on-best hockey again than another All-Star weekend. Yeah, 100%. I, I love this idea. I think that this is really exciting, and I'm sure we will get a lot of uh, frustration if a star player happens to go down with injury during that tournament, but whatever. Um, we'll, we'll deal with that when it comes up. Uh, that's easy for me to say. We don't know how many flames will be playing in it at the time, but I, I think that this is going to be something that's really exciting and just a, a nice little appetizer as we get ready for an Olympics. But I, I love the idea of a world cup. And I, I think that this is, like you said, it's a good introduction and a good way to just like kind of kick it off. You get a year to figure this thing out and you don't have to worry about getting an entire world cup together in a year. Just the, the logistics of that are really difficult. You factor in, what do you do with the Russian players and, and stuff like that? It's a lot to figure out in 365 days. So this is a really nice compromise. I like the the different format with the 3-2-1 the for the, the points. And it, it's nice. It's quick. It'll be a whole lot of fun. And it's just, it's trying something. And I I am all for leagues trying things. I like that the NBA does the, the in-season tournament. Um, it maybe wasn't 100% a success, but at the end of it, people really enjoyed it. I think this could be something similar. I think it could be a whole lot of fun. Uh, The Four Nations face-off will officially take place next February in Montreal and Boston. Uh, It's going to, like I said, kick off what will be World Cup of Hockeys in 2028 and 2032. So you've got your international hockey schedule now set for the foreseeable future with Olympics in 2026, World Cup 2028, Olympics 2030, World Cup 2032. And as far as I've been watching hockey, and I think it applies to the same, you and me are on the same age. Yeah. Um, that's the most consistent international schedule we've seen in a very long time. Yes. Yeah, 100%. It was Olympics, and basically that's it. Like, there was a 96 World Cup, um, and then the one that they played right before the lockout with the really weird trophy thing. Um, but aside from that, it, it's basically just been waiting for the Olympics, and now we've had this stretch where we don't even have the Olympics, and you just kind of squint in your eyes. And it's like, well, I know there's like five draft prospects out there, but boy, the World Hockey Championship <laughs> sure is fun, isn't it? Yeah. So no, th- this is great, and th- this this sort of thing is, I think, absolutely necessary to, to help modernize the NHL, grow this sport. You see how popular the World Baseball Classic was a year ago, and I wonder if that was kind of an eye-opening thing. Like, the best moment in sports last year was um, Shohei Otani striking out Mike Trout, Mike Trout yeah. right? Like, And that whole tournament was so much fun, like the Japanese team and everything like that. Well, and so. you're lucky that you have such a diverse sport. Like, with all mm-hmm. due respect, the NFL could never pull off no. this kind of tournament because it's... It's 99% Americans with 1% Canadian and a few other nations sprinkled in there. Like the NHL and and like the NBA and MLB, like you've mentioned, 
take advantage of the diversity that you have. 100%. If you can put on a tournament with 10 good teams, uh, and yes, I know talent varies from the top to the bottom. I get it. But if you can put in 10 competitive teams, yeah. why would you not do that and grow in all of those areas? It, it just didn't make sense. No, and this is this is how you grow, right? Like, this is how you expose the game to other markets. And even if there are a couple of games where, like, Canada kicks the crap out of Latvia or something like that, like, at least you are getting those teams involved. And then you can start with, like, do you do relegation things and stuff like that, like... Uh, what kind of qualifying process is there? You know, like well, I. And I'll ask you this, even because sorry to interrupt you. No, but, no, no. You know what? What do you think provides more exposure for for the NHL outside of North America? The uh, in season tournaments or not or tournaments? Excuse me. The in season games that they've the NHL internationals run the last couple seasons in Sweden or Finland. Yeah. Or doing the Olympics and the World Cup of Hockey every two years. Olympics and World Cup of Hockey. No yeah. questions asked, right? So, yeah. no, and I, I think, like, there, there is real possibility to, to grow this. And I don't know if we'll ever get to the point. Like, I'm very certain we'll never get to the point where the NHL one is on par with the, the, the soccer one. It, it'll never be close. No. But I wonder if you could get, like, all right, this is World Cup qualifying week. And so Latvia players are going to be playing Germany or whoever. And there, there's a bit of a break here. Like, I wonder if you start to work it a bit more into your schedule that way and just get really creative with it. So I, I hope this takes off because I think the possibilities with it are really endless. Uh, some of your texts at 960-960. If you're listening live, I knew there would be some on this. Uh, there's lots of people excited about international hockey returning on a regular basis. Uh, the first text that came in when we were naming Canadian players that we haven't seen play together uh this texture wanted to remind us of don't forget the likes of mckinnon and mccarr mccarr another name yep. in there that has not worn the sea uh nearly enough during his time as a pro uh it says go canada go 2026 uh this one says boys how about mcdavid crosby mckinnon and bedard down the middle good luck to all the other countries always fun when you get to move one of those guys to the wing yeah because you have so many center icemen that yeah. you just don't know what to do with them like that didn't even mention what about Braden Point? Right. Or any of the other NHL centers that happen to be Canadian? I I wouldn't hate if you just load it up. Like, yeah, let's go McDavid, Crosby, McKinnon. Line one. Sure. Let's just roll with yeah, it. You know, not? like uh, before it was Crosby, Bergeron, and Marshawn was kind of the, the go-to line. Now one of those guys is in there, and we'll see where Marshawn's at for 2026. But I would love, like, the power play unit would be incredible. The obvious flaw for Canada is between the pipes. Like, this Four Nations thing, there are... And the name, Four Nations. We will be fourth when it comes to strength of goaltending. So hopefully a lot of 7-5 games for Canada in this tournament. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that Matt and Cochran uh, pointed out, just going to pencil us in for a silver with a lack of elite goaltending in this country. That might be generous. It's going to be interesting <laughs> to see. Uh, this one says to the uh, point that we were making about the Americans, imagine a line with both Kachucks on it. Yeah, no thank you. Uh, no. I'd rather not. Yes, I would very much rather not do that. Uh, this one, uh, a couple of people have asked about AHL contracts. I believe if you're under an NHL contract, but playing in the American Hockey League, you'd be eligible. Yeah. But someone smarter than me would know the details to that. I, I don't know the exact precipice of how it works, but um, that's I imagine if you that. asked the NHL about this right now, the official stance would be, I don't know. Yeah. Well, sure, maybe. <laughs> uh, this point, it, it's a fair one when you bring up Makar because he was on the 2018 World Junior Hockey Team. Yes, as of right now, mm. um, the entire t roster of 2018 uh, members of Team Canada aren't eligible. But as this investigation goes further with London Police and we're starting to see 
um, names of those involved. I imagine that would also come with, um, what's the right word, absolvement yeah. of guilt uh, towards the others. And Kale McCarr has been one of those guys that's been very outspoken um, about not being involved uh, in the issue with uh, London Police right now. So that's all I'm going to say on it. I, I believe as this goes forward, there will be some sort of indication from the NHL or from international hockey bodies that say we know who's involved and who's not, and that's yeah, and that's cleared up. Uh, Wedley and Bridalwood with a, a funny one. Never seen Rooney and Austin Matthews play together. <laughs> yeah, I think one of those guys might that's have fair. a harder time making that team, Wedley. Um, this I would just love to go through just random combinations of NHL players. You know, like, hey, look, have we ever seen Blake Wheeler and Oliver Shillington play together? He's right. Didn't think so. He's right. You might not know it, but he's <laughs> right. Uh, this one says, what about a Connor line? Bedard, McDavid, Zari. I mean, you could. Um, with all due respect to the player here. One You're gonna take out Bedard. You're gonna take out Bedard yeah. here, Klein. That's really, really classy of you. One of these things is not like the other. Yeah, one of them doesn't play in Alberta, so I mean, of course, that's what we're gonna. That's the difference. Zary might have better called rods than, than Bedard right now. <laughs> Just take out a broken jaw, right? And it's he's right there. They're probably equal. <laughs> that's not to take anything away from Connor Zary. I'm just. I, I if think... it happens, I'd love it. Yeah, I want to be clear about that. If that happened. That'd be really neat. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Almost said a word there. Uh, yeah. Oh. It'd be really good. It'd be really fun. That's that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. uh, have a good year at the Flames first. Let's finish that out. Yeah. Uh, this one says, I don't think hockey's ever been in a more level playing field than right now. USA could be the favorite just based on depth alone. Switzerland and Germany have never been better. Finland and Sweden, always competitive, etc. The next Olympic tournament will be incredible i do, absolutely like, agree with that dry just like to team germany just being like all right hop on boys like the, the tournament's gonna have like 10 games and he's gonna have 45 points it's gonna be it's ridiculous, ridiculous it's what gonna he be does. nuts yeah uh so that's the latest on international hockey and that's like one third maybe right. of what we got announced today from the nhl um and we will use this as a, a second to uh transition into more on the World Juniors investigation. It is something we haven't heard from NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman uh, uh, speak on this since uh, London police uh, issued charges to those five players. So, uh, of course, in a format like this, you would expect uh, the NHL commissioner who uh, was key in getting an investigation done by the NHL side of things, which they have completed. Uh, he was asked about it today and gave some details going forward from an NHL perspective uh, on the 2018 World Junior Hockey Championship investigation, which is now in the hands of London Police. Here's what Commissioner Gary Bettman had to say Friday uh, when speaking to the media. Now, uh, before Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly and I take your questions, I want to discuss recent developments relating to the 2018 Canadian World Junior Team. I want to talk about this up front because I'm going to tell you everything <clears throat> that I believe I can say or is appropriate to say. I want to be clear, from the moment we first learned about this on May 26, 2022, I have repeatedly used the words abhorrent, reprehensible, horrific, and unacceptable to describe the alleged behaviors. And those words continue to apply. Given the events of last week, 
I believe, further context on our process and overall timeline is important. We made a commitment to and did in fact launch an external investigation into the 2018 incident. This task was complex because of a variety of factors, not the least of which was that our authority had limitations, the volume of information, the passage of time, and the fact that other investigations were going on at the same time, specifically the reopened investigations of both Hockey Canada and the London Police Service. These three investigations, the two that I just named and ours, proceeded on separate and distinct paths. Our investigation took approximately 12 months to complete the investigatory stage. Our investigators reviewed volumes of information and conducted interviews of all players on the 2018 team, as well as other relevant individuals who were willing to participate in the investigation. We had concluded the investigatory portion of our process to the extent we could, and we were working with the NHL Players Association to analyze the information we had, create a process to move forward, and then determine what was an appropriate response when the news of the impending charges broke last week. We had heard similar rumors before about the possibility of charges, none of which had come to fruition. And in this instance, we did not have advance notice from the London authorities. As stated, these investigations were separate from one another. While there are reports of indictments, we have not received official confirmation from the London authorities that five players have been or will be indicted, although it appears from reports that they will be. As such, and if charges are pending, it would be inappropriate to provide further comment on the matter. Finally, as I think everyone knows, all of the NHL players who appear to be subject of indictment are no longer with their teams, and so at this stage, the most responsible and prudent thing for us to do is await the conclusion of the judicial proceedings, at which point we will respond as appropriate at the time. To reiterate, this is the full extent of what I'm comfortable sharing, and anything else would either be speculative or, as I've said before, inappropriate. That is NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman uh, getting out in front of questions uh, when meeting with the media in Toronto ahead of All-Star Weekend with the latest on the NHL's perspective, PK, on the uh, 2018 uh, World Junior Hockey Championship scandal. Yeah, the uh, the he we we know him as the NHL commissioner, but the guy was a lawyer at some point, so he he knows what he can say, he knows what he can't say or shouldn't say, and uh, what walks that line, I, I think, very carefully. And so, at, at least we have somewhat of a statement now from the NHL, and they they kind of just have to let the legal process do what it will and then go from there. He did mention in a uh, further follow up question that he would be surprised. Uh, if any of those players would be playing in the NHL while the judicial process uh, is playing out. And as we've heard from, uh, whether it's Paul Grant, who's covering it for Sportsnet, or other uh, legal experts, this could be a year-long-plus process before anything heads to trial or is yeah. resolved. So, uh, long story short, don't expect to see any of those 
uh, players involved in anything NHL related, uh, at least in the near future. So no, and I mean Gary would have the final say on that. So yeah, if, he's if not he's changing that, so. no, if if he if he would be surprised, then I think we should all be surprised. So that makes sense. Uh, that's just a little bit from the NHL commissioner. When we come back, we have even more to dive into, including some news from Corey Perry. Uh, also. Uh, the NHLPA is not happy with one team in particular in the NHL right now. We'll tell you who that what? is. There's a trade to talk about with Sean Monahan finding a new home. And Sam Cosentino is going to join us for Inside Hockey as we look ahead to what could be a very important draft for the Calgary Flames. That, as Sportsnet Today rolls on on a Friday, Logan and PK along with you here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Logan Gordon and Peter Klein along with you on this Friday Breaking down everything we heard from the NHL's press conference ahead of All-Star Weekend in Toronto. Segment one, talking about the exciting return of international hockey. The Olympics are back. World Cup of Hockey is coming back. We have the Four Nations face-off next February. Looking forward to all of that. But PK, that was just a small sample size of the news that got delivered to us on Friday. Yeah, we got quite a bit going on here, and I, I thought the the Lindholm trade, I, it's still the big, or I guess one of the big ones in terms of player movement. Uh, I guess the Olympics coming is maybe a bit bigger than Lindholm, but I thought that would be kind of the, the biggest news of the weekend, but it has just kind of been a steady flow of news. Another trade, uh, a coach is gone, so there, there's a, a lot to talk about here coming out of uh, NHL All-Star Weekend. There's a ton, yes. Uh, Todd McClellan has been fired by the LA Kings. They've been on a Pretty brutal run in the month of January that has allowed the Edmonton Oilers and their historic win streak to vault past them in the Pacific Division standing. So they'll be looking to bounce back after the All-Star break. Sean Monahan is now a member of the Winnipeg Jets, his third NHL team, third Canadian NHL team that he'll play for as well. Uh, we'll talk to Murat Atesh of The Athletic coming up in hour two to get his feel on uh, the trade for the Winnipeg Jets that sees a first-round pick and a conditional third in 2027 being sent back to Montreal. So a nice little piece of asset management, if you will, for Kent Hughes. But wanted to highlight a couple of other things that we heard uh, during this press conference in Toronto, Peter. And um, more and more, this is becoming a worrying situation in Arizona, so much so uh, that the NHLPA has started to get involved with it. And Mullen Arena's been fun. It's been, uh, I think, a unique experience for a lot of people. But at the same time, we've known for a long time it's not the solution in Arizona. And director uh, for the NHLPA, Marty Walsh, made it very clear today um, that he has been very critical of Coyote's ownership and uh, has said that they are extremely concerned and disappointed with their arena situation uh, he says the Morello group has refused to engage with the players union on numerous fronts uh, about where this situation is going and what exactly players can expect if they are traded to or wanting to sign with Arizona over the next years coming, I guess. And yeah. uh, as we know in Calgary, a city that's you know wanted to keep the flames around and has had lots of interest. It's not easy to get a, a, a an arena done at no. the best of times. And they're on, I don't even know what the actual number would be. I'd have to ask like Craig Morgan out there for Phoenix hockey now, but like, I'm not even joking when I think it's on what option eight or nine. 
Mm-hmm. And none of these seem to be any closer to getting a shovel in the ground. And to be honest, I, I can't blame him for being upset about the situation. No, this whole mullet arena thing, it was cute, it was neat, it was quirky to begin with, but now we're into year two of it, and it's like, okay, I get it. It's a college atmosphere. I don't care. People talk about how elitist others can be about this team. I'm going to be elitist about this. This is a professional sports league. This is the premier hockey league in the world. Um, You need to be able to host more than 3,000 people at your game. Your rink needs to be bigger than the one in my hometown of Assiniboia, Saskatchewan. All right. Like you just you you simply cannot have this for an extended period of time. It's a fine stopgap. But right now it's kind of the only option they have. And I think the reason the PA is coming in on this. One of the things that made it like, oh, look at that is that Arizona kind of bad last year. But now this is a team that like could very reasonably make it into the playoffs this year. They're five points out of a playoff spot. Uh, they have a game in hand on the St. Louis Blues. They lost three in a row going into this break. They are a talented team that will probably be in the playoffs in the next couple of years. To host a playoff game and only be able to sell 3,000 tickets is absurd. And the players want this to get figured out because hockey-related revenue is a big part of the salary cap. And a big part of hockey-related revenue is how much money you can, how much revenue you can bring in from the hockey in the playoffs. And unless you're selling these tickets for like a thousand bucks, even then, $300,000 gate for a playoff game. Not good enough. Not good enough, right? So um, I, I don't. I, I don't know what the alternative... Well, I know what the alternative would be. It's getting the hell out of there. But I understand the NHL wanting to make this work. And you see a proof of concept when you have an Austin Matthews in your league. And we just talked about growing the game in the, the United States with this golden era. And fighting, scratching, and clawing to keep Arizona in there has been a hallmark of it. So I understand the NHL's want to keep that team there. But at some point, man, this is ridiculous playing in Mullet Arena for an extended period of time. Now, it should be noted that the, and this was something that the director Marty Walsh mentioned uh, today, due to the current CBA, the players have no actionable course here. Like they can't, right. they can't file a grievance and say, you know, that's hurting us. But you, you laid out the fact that, you know, indirectly or not, they have a reason to be upset. And, you know, perhaps it's something in the next CBA that the players look for and say, Look, if there's a team that doesn't have an arena situation filled out and it's hurting our hockey-related revenue, well, then we need to have some sort of say in how that gets fixed. Yeah. And so people have said, okay, well, the NHLPAs said they're upset, but what else can they do about it? Well, a united front would be, you know, guys not signing in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Free agents saying, I'm not going to Arizona because I don't want to play in Mullet Arena and continue to hurt uh, you know, my fellow players and supporting this the, well, as long as they don't have a tenable arena situation and their ownership figures it out. Yeah. Right. And I mean, Logan Cooley is an example that could have gone the other way. He did sign, but if you're one of the many good prospects in the Arizona uh, pool right now, Maybe you start hearing pressure from the PA and from other players when it comes to your future in Arizona and saying, look, it's on you guys to start going to these guys and saying, hey, if you don't figure it out, I'm not signing here. I'm not. Yeah. I'm going to stay in Russia for another year if you're one of the Russian prospects they drafted. Or if you're an NCAA kid, you start have to put pressure on them from within to try to get this situation solved because it's just enough is enough with this 
if you can't get it done, you can't get it done. And as we're about to talk about, Peter, there's other places in the United States right now that are begging the NHL for a franchise. And sooner or later, the NHL is just going to have to say, look, how interested would you be in the Arizona Coyotes? We're not going to do the expansion thing with you, but if you we offered you a team yeah. that's already constructed and uh, we do a relocation fee rather than expansion, how interested would an ownership group be in that? Because at some point, enough is enough. No, I agree. Also, just quick correction. Someone called me on in there, right? I said 1000 bucks a ticket for a 3,000-seat venue. Would, in fact, be $3 million. Also, it would be wildly unrealistic to assume you could get $1,000 a ticket for all 3,000 seats. But... um no, like there, there should be a barrier of entry to get a National Hockey League team, both as an owner and as a, a city. And one of those should be a relatively functioning hockey rink. And look, I'm not like the bar isn't even that high. The dome ain't great shakes. That's why we're, you know, trying to get a new one and getting a new one. Uh, but for a long time, like it, it, it kind of sucks there. But you at least can put people in it. Sure. And Winnipeg, like 13,000 fans, it's not a ton, especially if you don't sell it out. But it's still more than 3000 like they're just there should be it's why i always get so frustrated in baseball about like certain owners crying poor it's like you know what at some point you have to spend x amount of dollars to stay competitive in this sport is it absurd that the dodgers just signed 1.5 billion dollars worth of contracts yeah kind of but also spend more than 50 million and that's easy for me to say cuz it's not my money but there are barriers of entry to get into these things. You don't just get the, the 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 right to get one of these teams. It's earned. It's a privilege. And part of that is you got to spend a ton of money and have a rink that people can actually go to. If an ownership group in Utah, as was explained today by Gary Bettman, came to you and said, look, we have a 16,000-seat arena ready to go. They can yeah. move in next year. Yeah. Could you feasibly say no to that if you're Gary Bettman? I don't know that you can at this point. Yeah. No, I and I don't think the other owners would be on the side of the Marillo <laughs> Corporation going, Yeah, we're gonna keep you and let you search for another five years for this. It's just not working. Yeah, and then if they if the NHL turned it down, the PA's head would explode. So that yeah. would be uh, a little bit frustrating there as well. Uh we've had a ton of news to go through. We'll continue to go through it as the afternoon rolls on, but we're jumping right now into inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op Wine Spirits beer today. And joining us for Inside Hockey to go through all of the news that we've had over the last week or so. Very happy to welcome in from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. It's Sam Cosentino joining us. What's up, Cos? How are you, pal? I'm doing great, guys. How's it going over there? A little uh, happier today, maybe? <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's uh, It's been pretty... Uh, Pretty good here the last 24, 48 hours as Flames fans uh, start to see a bit of a direction from Craig Conroy. I guess let's start there. What did you make uh, of the news earlier this week when we saw the Lindholm swap to Vancouver? Well, immediately I thought about Craig's uh, opening press conference where he said we can't let uh, the Johnny Gaudreau, Matthew Kachuk thing happen to us again. And so he was true to his word. It didn't look like Lindholm was going to be signed long-term. And if he did, probably at a number that wasn't going to be uh, – in the plans of the flames. And so they were able to move off of uh, essentially uh, an expiring asset. And I think they did, they did really well in return. Like, uh, you know, for an expiring asset, I I do think there's a little more to the story from the, from the Lindholm Vancouver side of things. I mean, he does add some insurance in case Patterson can't get done. And if they can keep him with Patterson as well, then, 
who knows, then maybe they, they've hit, uh, hit a home run and, and feel really good about what they've done. But, you know, in the meantime, looking at the Calgary return, um, uh, really, really impressed by uh, what he was able to get with an expiring asset. Sam, we kind of know you as the, the prospects guy at Sportsnet, so I don't know what kind of scouting experience you have on the two guys that the Calgary Flames got in return here. I know we've heard our colleague Jeff Merrick has said uh, Hunter Bruskowitz gets the nickname of Adam Fox of the OHL, which yeah. doesn't exactly sit well. And I think some people have pointed out maybe isn't as comparable as, as maybe some would go that far. But uh, what can you tell us in your knowledge about Hunter Bruskowitz and Yoni Yermo, uh, who are now in the flame system? Yeah, we'll start with, with Hunter. And so he's a guy now who's uh, top five in scoring in the Ontario Hockey League. At, at one point going into the break, he was leading the entire league in scoring, which is uh, obviously a, a rarity for a defenseman. He leans heavily to the playmaking side. He's a guy that, um, you know, I project down the road is going to be able to run one of two power plays. He's a right shot guy, six foot, 180 pounds. There's not a, a lot of physicality to his game, but he's a really good puck mover, a, a smart player, um, oftentimes assessing his options and, and making the best, uh, the best choice with the options available to him. So, um, and kind of a cool story. I mean, you know, he leaves the, the U.S. program. He goes to Kitchener, ends up getting drafted in the third round, playing that pro style of schedule. Um, but a guy that I uh, think was intentionally left off the U.S.'s at least training camp roster for the World Juniors when he should have been there when you're leading the league in scoring, I, I know that would require an invite. Now, having said that, the U.S. ended up winning gold without him, so maybe the choice wasn't such a bad one after all. But... If you're looking for that type of guy who, who um, you know, who can run a power play, who can move pucks quickly and efficiently, um, average feet, I'd say. But in terms of playmaking and smarts, uh, above average in those areas. And a guy, again, who I think is going to run one of, of two power play units down the road. So there's definitely some upside there. Um, there was some talk in his draft year about him being a potential first-round pick. It obviously didn't work out that way and, and ended up in the third round. As for Yermo, he's a little bit of a different guy altogether left shot guy 6'4 6'5 210 pounds a couple years in the league and now so he's not a point guy at all he's more of that type of guy that you'd look at maybe like a Carson Soucy type a guy who just uh you know you like the size the reach the ability to play with the, a little bit of jam and the ability more or less just to be one of those guys who who kind of gets in the way so whether he projects to be an NHL defenseman, I'm not so sure of that. But if he does, he probably fits in in that six or seven role. And you know what, guys? We've seen a lot of that where you can get a guy who comes to you relatively cheap, especially for the first couple of years, who you can park kind of in that six, seven, maybe even eight spot on your D, yet with his size and reach that uh, still can be an effective guy. So I think that's the, the maximum upside for that player. Um, and, and then, of course, you get the, the first-round pick, which, you know, that, that should create some great interest of its own. Just quickly on, on Yermo, would it make sense from a Flames perspective, Sam, to try to get him over to, say, uh, the Wranglers and the AHL as soon as possible? Oh, I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. When you have your parent club in the same city as your American Hockey League affiliate, you can, you can really get a good look at the guy, and, and you can really pour your resources into uh, extracting the best that that player has. And so definitely advisable uh, if, if that uh, opportunity presents itself. But, uh, hey, listen, I mean, if you uh, – I don't want to call him a throw-in, but sure. in, 
the lower asset of the deal. If that guy gets any NHL games for you, I think that's a huge bonus. So, um, you know, he would have been the last piece of this, the puzzle in this deal. And uh, like I said, if you get any NHL games out of him, it's a bonus at that point. But still, a third-round pick. So that's something uh, at some point Todd Harvey and the scouting staff uh, in Vancouver saw something in him, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, it's Logan Gordon and Peter Klein along with uh, Sportsnet Sam Cosentino this afternoon. Uh, PK, what do you got for Sam? Uh, Sam, you mentioned that uh, the, the Flames get another first-round pick, and all of a sudden uh, a lot of interest here in Calgary in the 2024 draft class, specifically in the first round. Uh, is this a, a good draft class that the Flames will be double-dipping into, or, or what are we looking at here uh, as we approach kind of the midway point here of the season? Well, you know, that's that's an interesting question. And so I've been on record as saying that about 20, pick 20 or 22, I think there's a, a significant drop-off. Now, having said that, the, the game changes a little bit when you have two first-round picks because I think with that second one and being as low as it will be, you know, probably a 28th, 29th pick, um, you can afford to, 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 you know, swing for the fences. So that's the thing about having two first-round picks in a draft that doesn't necessarily – speak great volume when you get to the latter stages of the first round so you know the team giving it up will say hey we don't we don't really like um or or, or we're okay with parting with that first round pick because of where we project it to be and the team acquiring that pick is going to say hey now we have two darts at the dartboard and our strategy might allow us to try and hit a home run at that spot when otherwise you wouldn't have that opportunity so again you know where does vancouver end up where does that pick land Anytime you're getting an additional first rounder as opposed to anything later, then your your chances of, of getting an NHL player increase. Uh, so I think what I had said earlier about this draft class and about the last 10 or 12 picks, it rang true once again today in the Sean Monaghan deal. Of course, the Jets give up their first rounder, and that's probably going to be in the bottom 10 as well. Um, obviously, like this might be overthinking things wildly, but I'm quite good at that. Um, from a, a flame standpoint, they have a couple more pieces that could garner first round picks. Would it make more sense for Calgary now kind of diversify, look at 25, 26 draft and try to, to get there? Or is it just, Ooh, a first round pick whenever let's just pounce on that and worry about that later. Well, yeah, I think, you know, the sooner that asset you have the you know, I think the more in play it becomes. So, just because you acquire it doesn't necessarily you're gonna you're, mean you're gonna use it. Right. Having said that, you know our team's gonna be willing to give that up in 25 or 26. I, I like what we're seeing in the early returns in the 25 draft. I mean, you got a guy a couple year, couple hours down the road in Gavin McKenna who looks like he's gonna be the next the next big thing. Um, and so you know he's a guy who's gonna be uh, available in in the years years ahead. So I, if you can get that. You know, by setting the bar with this trade, uh, I do think that that option to acquire additional first-round picks comes into play. You know, the one theory, one theory would be that you have rolling picks, so you acquire them in 25 and 26 so that you have additional ones to add, and you just kind of keep rolling with it. Or you acquire the asset uh, a little bit closer to the time frame so that you may use it to be able to get uh, live bodies. And you know what, guys, like, we didn't talk about the key piece. The key piece in this deal right now is, is Kuzmenko. And, you know, you think about a guy with another $5.5 million for next year, 39 goals last year, should be an asset in the power play. Even when he was in Rick Tockett's doghouse, he still got power play minutes when he was in the lineup. And with the way Calgary's power play has been, he could be an asset there. And I also think because he's a shooter, a shoot-first guy, 
he probably extracts a little bit more out of Jonathan Huberto than what we've seen. And if those and if those two things happen, then that's a huge, huge bonus moving forward for the Flames and doesn't really set their chances back of making the playoffs any more than they would have had with, with Lindholm. And that's not to disparage Lindholm. And I think Lindholm's going to be a wonderful piece in, in Vancouver. Um, but again, he was an expiring asset in Calgary. Uh, the, the other trade this week, as you mentioned, Sean Monahan going to the Jets for a, uh, a first and a conditional pick. Uh, what did you think of, of that return? And what do you think of the fit with uh, Monahan heading to his third Canadian city now? Well, you know, I, I would have thought, honestly, that the first-round pick would have, would have done it. And so for Ken Hughes to acquire that conditional third, you know, that's, uh, that's a little bit of added value there for a team that, quite frankly, doesn't need the picks. They've got 22 picks here uh, in the next couple of years. So they're not going to need all those picks. They're going to have to move and hasten their rebuild a little bit here. Uh, and they'll be able to do that with those assets. But I thought Monahan, I said this on our show a couple of weeks back, that I thought for sure he would garner a first-rounder. Um, and for Ken Hughes to get something additional, that's great. And listen, for the Winnipeg Jets, this guy, he's had a wonderful year. He's healthy. He's not going to cause any problems in the room. He's going to give you some net front. He's going to give you a little bit of special teams on both sides. And um, he gives you, you know, 55% in the face-off circle. And that's, that's huge. Uh, you look down the middle of the ice now for, uh, for what Winnipeg has to offer, and it's pretty, pretty solid. So, again, you add some size, some net front. He's not necessarily an aggressive guy, as you know, but he can repel some of the, the heavy going, and that kind of really fits into what the Jets are right now. I mean, I don't know if I could think of a better fit across the National Hockey League than, than Monaghan with the Jets. Sammy, appreciate your time as always, pal. Enjoy some of the All-Star Weekend stuff. We'll chat with you again sometime soon. Okay, guys. Take care. Thanks again. Appreciate you. Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Part of Inside Hockey for Calgary Co-op. Let's go local Calgary from best from the West Canadian produce to quality. Only Alberta meats. Find your local at Calgary Co-op shop online or in-store today. When we come back for Hour 2, we'll dive more into that swap between the Montreal Canadiens and the Winnipeg Jets with Marat Atesh from The Athletic. Also, kills off the week with the Friday DMs. Your chance to ask us anything you want when we close out Hour 2. You can start sending your text in to 960-960. It's Logan and Peter Klein along with you. Hour 2 coming up next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.